0: We don't need money, jobs, commerce, economics, government, infrastructure of any kind. And if you want to live in Antarctica utterly pollution-free, in total luxury, you can do so.
1: Welcome to On The Edge, a podcast about making unexpected connections everywhere and anywhere. My name's Roland Howard, and in each episode we talk with somebody who's making sense of our increasingly connected world. Today we welcome back James Burke for the second half of the conversation I had with him back in May in a busy cafe in West London. The first half of the conversation was shared in episode one So if you haven't already heard that episode, then I would really recommend that you listen to that first before listening to this next installment, as there are quite a few things that we build upon from the previous conversation that might not quite make sense if you haven't heard it already. The previous episode was largely about looking back into the history of science and technology and exploring how everything really is incredibly connected. In this episode, we jump far into the future, into what James calls the age of abundance, which he argues is no more than a generation or two away. However, before we get there, he predicts what he calls severe turbulence and chaos, which some might argue we are already in. The key technology that he talks about to unlock this new age of abundance is called nanofabricators, or moats. These are tiny specks of technology that can make literally anything. Now, that might sound like science fiction, but he shares examples of where this technology already exists in laboratories all around the world. And he goes on to share his thoughts about the implications of this new age of abundance for education, democracy, and beyond. Once again, like the first episode, it's an incredibly wide-ranging and mind-bending conversation, but I think there's lots of food for thought and I hope it sparks some ideas and reactions as you listen to it. Enjoy.
0: I think that it is, as I've described before, the period of turbulence through which we're about to go and which will probably last a couple of generations Mm. because it's going to take that long for people simply to grapple with the technology that's Mm. available and learning how to use it and to benefit from it. Mm. And I think for a period of time there will be a time, a period, when technology outstrips the ability we have to deal with it or handle it, and there will be a period of chaos. There will be a period when people will say the machines are taking over. Mm. I think that's only going to happen for the next 20 or 30 years, because I think... How do we regain control as well, I don't human think, beings? I don't think we or, have to think like that. I think that's 19th century thinking, okay. I have think that we have to have to control.
1: I, oh, okay, good point. Yeah, so, think, so what's 21st well, century well, thinking? Well, I think
0: the thing is... The nanofabricator is going to take all the problems away. Okay. A nanofabricator is, as I'm sure you know, Mm. um, a kind of microfactory where atoms are put together to make molecules and molecules to make stuff and stuff to make things. And the feedstock, most 90-odd percent of the feedstock required in a nanofabricator is dirt, air, and water. Mm. Energy, well, there's already in the labs perovskite solar cells that can be sprayed onto an object and turn the object into its own Power source. Yep. So that's the end of all that crap about fossil fuels. But so, what, what
1: climate change is uh, just? Um, it'll
0: be solved by nanotechnology in the next fifteen years. And this destruction of the of the of the economy, which is being proposed, is insane. I mean, you know. But what's this,
1: your? Uh, I don't know. What's your
0: confidence level on that statement? Well, that's I a mean, big statement. In, in the laboratory already yeah. there are the problem to so the energy problem is is there. Yeah. There are there are there are effectively a straw you could stick in the filthiest water and drink pure water out the other end. Yeah, I've seen that. There yeah. are spray on there there are molecular sieves that you can put on top of smoke sacks and no crap comes out of the top. Yeah. Uh,
1: so the technology exists already. The most is what important you're thing yeah.
0: I think is if we start to use stuff like DNA in order to if you start to use DNA as mm. computing capability, mm. to use DNA molecules to to, to organize data, yep. the, the prediction mm. is that within 20 years we'll have a computer that will be the size of a dust moat. And, you know, being 10 billion times more powerful than the supercomputer today and yep. 10 billion times more powerful more, and smaller. Yep. So they'll so be sprayed, Feynman's e- legacy. sprayed everywhere. Yep. Feynman's legacy, exactly. Mm. Um, but above all, what this will do, I think, will cause a, vast, a diaspora. We'll move out of the cities. There'll be no need. But that's been said since the dawn of the internet, oh, if not no, before. It's been said, it's really only been properly said since the 80s. Oh. And what we've been waiting for is the ability to even. And the exact move. opposite has happened, well, increasing no, urbanization. Hang on. We, Sorry. we haven't done anything about the nanofabricator except okay, work on bits of it. Um, the key thing to a nanofabricator is, have you got a robotic thing hmm. as working at the atomic level that will put two atoms together? In Manchester University, yeah. six months ago, the first one was made. Yes. So the nanofabricator is coming. It's a matter of just working at it. Yeah. So that's actually working in a lab, a lab now. Yeah. If you have, and the most important thing about a nanofabricator is the first thing it can do is make another one. So yes. 1, two, four, eight, 16, 32 One for everybody on the planet in two years And you Wi-Fi the instructions To another nanofabricator To make whatever it is you want And when that happens We don't need money, jobs, commerce, economics Government, infrastructure of any kind And if you want to live in Antarctica Utterly pollution free In total luxury you can do so Anywhere on the planet Now the, the, su- the support base of the planet For the moment is tough For about 6 billion people With this kind of machine, I don't know if there's a limit. I mean, there's obviously limits, and we don't want to live on each other's knees and pockets. But clearly, there's tons of room for 10, 12, 13 billion people on the planet if none of it is being used to provide what we need except a bucket full of earth, which is all you need for your nanofabricator. Now, that is going to make all these problems go away, and it's going to happen within 50 years. And then we have the biggest problem of all and this is what my next book is about. Okay. We have spent tens of thousands of years becoming extremely good at in innovating our way out of scarcity. Yes. We have no experience whatsoever of what it's like to live with abundance. None. I mean, for example, what are values? Yeah. If you can have anything you want for nothing, does anything have any value at all? Mm. I mean, will the only, will there be, there's no, it could be no crime of property because what you want, you can have for yep. nothing. Except there will be crime, presumably, of passion, And by lunatics, you just want to make nanoweapons. Yeah. So what the moats do, running this entire structure, yeah. is to forbid the nanofabricator from making nanoweapons. So nobody can do that. Then the question comes, who programs the moats to, to do that? Yeah. And what else do they not allow? Yeah. And that's the real fundamental political problem of how to live with abundance. Who tells the moats what people cannot do? And so, if we don't start thinking about that now, we're going to be in deep doo-doo. Well, so they say uh, the next US election will be fought. Uh,
1: there's a lot of Democratic candidates uh, talking about breaking up big tech in America because Facebook and Google and others have too much power. Yeah. The the world that you're describing is is really radically different to the one we live radically in now. Radically different. So, and so, we need to start talking now about what it's going well, to be like. Well, so I, I agree with you. And, but, so one of the things that we need to change, not maybe on a technological level, but in terms of government, society, education... Uh, sorry, that's that's lots of big things no, all in one question. Uh, no,
0: they all roll into the same ball, yeah. which is we... not how do we educate... Well, I suppose pr- primarily I would say hmm. the biggest problem is education. Really? Education okay. is the secret of everything. We have to... I mean, if we are to make decisions that, that we will all then live with, it has to be an, an informed decision. And at the moment our systems don't allow for informed decisions. I mean Are You talking you know, about democracy? I'm talking about representative democracy. That is to say, okay. pass the problem off to those guys. And yeah. as we have seen recently, that's not necessarily a good idea. <laughs> okay. Now the reason we've seen this is not is for no other reason than that the internet has made us the information available for us to realise that they don't know what they're talking about. The problem then means what do we do if yeah. we don't have those? Well, we, we know this is certainly not... We don't want to jump straight into direct democracy because the level of understanding of the vast majority of the voters is zero or all close to it. Yeah. I mean, there were people who voted, let's for example, for Brexit, thinking that the very next day we would be out. I mean, what level of ignorance is that? And why was it allowed to flourish? I mean, whether you want to leave or not, it's neither here nor there. Um, so I think we need urgently to think about what it is we're educating people for in order to make that decision about how the world will be. But in a sense...
1: But is it too much to expect? Well, y- no. You know, you're, you're clearly a Oxford-educated, very smart person, but for, you know, the average voter or the average citizen who maybe doesn't have that education and that intellect to, to be able to understand this vast complexity... No, I don't
0: believe that. I don't believe uh, okay. that. No, everybody has 82 billion neurons. Okay. We all have intellect. What we don't have are educational systems yep. that are varied enough to handle each idiosyncratic view of the world that each person has. Okay. Now, I think... 20 years from now Mm. we will have avatars Mm. so realistic that you won't know they're human talking Mm. to you as if they were a human being enabled to have an in-depth conversation of any kind with Mm. you except that they'll have encyclopedic knowledge and you won't and these avatars will teach individual children Mm. each one at a time one to one Mm. everything a child we think a child needs to know teaching that child on the basis of the way that child sees the world mm. not saying tick the right box and you're a success don't and you're a failure which is what sure. the education system does now i mean but it's, the, it's idiotic the, the 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 conformity is enforced mm. by education 19th century but so, a lot
1: of those algorithms are so i was watching something the other day that if you for instance on youtube if you click as a young woman on a video about dieting Um, the algorithms then quite quickly if you're not careful because these videos all if uh, you know automatically play (laughs) the next one you know within a a few videos you know click on videos uh, about anorexia so where you initially you know were interested in losing a bit of weight you you get to more extreme content because that's more addictive and so the algorithms are sort of optimized but you're 20
0: years away from the algorithms I'm talking about I mean in the main the the worst aspect of these present algorithms is how do we sell more of stuff to you so the the biggest push so the model ahead, earliest one was Amazon. Yeah. You order a book from Amazon and immediately offers you five more in case you buy them. Yeah. Now that's fine and dandy for the level of algorithm work we have at the moment, but in yeah. twenty years' time, with big data and the yeah. algorithms available then, we won't have this kind of problem. But but all I wanted to go on to say was Please go. these yeah. questions become irrelevant in a world that is after the nanofabricator. It doesn't matter. Mm. Whether we understand anything or not, whether we have a vote or not, there will be no government to have a vote. We will live autonomously anywhere we choose, entirely autonomously. There will be nothing you can't have except human contact, and that'll be up to you. You'll get it you'll get it holographically, of course. You get mm. your granny round from Seattle, and you know, until you put your arm through her, she's at the table with you, and so on. But, a- a- and as for human reproduction, mm. that's a problem I don't know. <laughs>
1: But, but those predictions, uh, we touched upon it earlier, those predictions um, that people could work from anywhere because of technology have proven themselves to be vastly oh, incorrect yeah. up until oh, this point. Yeah, but
0: look at the look at the infrastructure, which did not change. Yeah. Here's the infrastructure, and we say, now we've got this way, ability to work at home. Yeah. We're not going to change the infrastructure. You just go home and do what you would do if you came to the office. That's not the way to do it. Yeah. You have to look at what what way Mm. would we do what this company does if nobody came to a building? Nobody. How would we reorganize the way we interact, the way we have Mm. decision-making structures, the way we make production, the way we have manufacturing? What would be a world in which all of that was done remotely we have not done that we've said hmm. the blogs and company has this company if you want to work at home go ahead hmm. that's not the way to do it and that's the way we've done it uh, that's it's true. a 19th yep. century answer to a 21st century problem
1: so how do we make decisions either for a, a company where everyone works at you know from, where, from the arctic or wherever they want to be or, or indeed on a political level you said so Direct democracy is not, not the way to do to it. Don't ask
0: me these bloody earth shattering questions. Why not?
1: How do I know? <laughs> How do I know? <laughs>
0: because you've devoted your life to. Well, I know, it? but I mean, I'm not here to preach. I, I, well, well, my personal view is you you know, you know, hive off a, a section of your company, yeah. which has its offices and its links with production and distribution and advertising and sales. Yeah. You hive off a small bit as an experimental lab, yeah. and then you put the rats in there and see what you can do. Okay. And if you don't do that, you'll never find an answer. Yeah. You certainly never find an answer by saying stay at home mm. and work from home while we'll the rest of us are all having a good time in the office. You don't do it that way. So, so but, but on the other hand you have to do a, a lab test. Yeah. Before you then move the whole company into that way of doing things. Yeah. But if we don't start doing the lab tests we'll never, never do it. Okay, well I, I
1: uh i'm currently conducting a test of my own with my my new venture liminal which is an entirely virtual company uh so i'm experimenting in that space um with about 40 other people There you go. Um, maybe
0: you'll come up with the well uh, um,
1: and it would be it would be wonderful to this is why i want to ask you these questions because i'm i'm trying to practice what we preach Talk to me a bit more about decision-making. So you were reasonably scathing around direct democracy. How, how, what, 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 in a world that is so complex where no single human brain can understand all this vast complexity and we need to, well, do we need to specialise? Maybe we don't. But um, how, how do we make decisions, good decisions as a, as a society or as an organisation or as an individual when, when faced with such... Complexity and vast data.
0: I think I think we have a period coming up, as I've said several times. Yeah, sorry if I'm not getting as, the point. No, but. no, no, could be as much as a generation, or maybe more, mm. where we're going to have severe turbulence. I think. Yep. As, yeah. As as most of us become aware because mm. of access mm. of the of the inca- of the of the lack of capabilities of the of the old 16th century representative democracy system we have lived with for four or five hundred years yep. which was there only because we didn't have good roads and no telecommunications so send a bloke up to the, the capital to represent you five yep. years later see if you like what he did okay. that's gone but to be replaced by nothing
1: True. sorry say that again to be replaced by nothing well so far yeah,
0: in no, the modern world there is we have no, nothing, nothing that's replaced that, that yeah. it looks as if it's going to work the same as, as well okay. or as badly the jump to direct democracy, mm. it, as I've said before, takes a period of education in schools of the general public so that when demo- if we ever go to direct democracy, that is, you know, yep. one vote, n- no representatives, no parties. Yeah. One person, one vote. One person, one vote yeah. on everything. Yeah. And the reason you can do that is because you give up the old idea of having elections and stumping and standing and mm. saying, follow me, I know the truth and all that other crap that politicians say. Oh.
1: What about fake news and manipulation and... uh,
0: Algorithms. uh, Algorithms. With big data... Well, first of all, let's get rid of the the fake news. We've had fake news forever. Yeah. Uh, Newspapers when they started, radio when it started, print when it began, always represented the bias of the person doing it. Always. Now, whether it's serious fake news or minor fake news, Mm -hmm. a view taken by the left or the right is a different view of the question. Hmm. And in one sense, they're both fake, in the sense yep. that they are both biased and will not tell you the stuff on the other side that would help demolish their argument. So in, we've always lived with fake news. Yep. It's just more obvious now, and it's about many more things. We see more things. It's thrown at us all the time, blah, 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 as if it was something new. Yep. It's not. That doesn't matter. Big data and predictive algorithms get rid of that crap. I mean, it's not almost... We're almost capable now of saying this statement by President Blah is wrong for the following 17 reasons. To trace back... Yeah, but people
1: don't care about a rational argue deconstruction of do, whatever do, President you, you, Trump had to can, say yesterday. If, if
0: I went on the air saying yeah. an explosive thought every day, everybody would watch it. And my explosive thought would be I'm going to tell you who's lying today. What? I mean, make Jeremy Kyle look like a, a child's play. Okay. You know, of course people take it. It depends how you dress it up. I mean... You know, that's, that's what fake news is all about. And indeed, that's what the press is all about. Get a big headline and people will listen, read or watch. So, doing that about fake news. So, I don't think fake news is a problem. Okay. What? What? what you see, direct the, the only direct democracy that I see coming that would work would be when you have enough big data and particular algorithms there's massive data exhaust that we leave behind us everywhere we go
1: yeah I mean 25 gigabits yes. per day yes. I was reading the other day yes. an average car would produce every single day
0: that's right I mean I mean, what is it Lovely. I love the figures every three seconds we produce more data than there is in the Library of Congress every three seconds okay so when you have the ability to trawl that stuff you see what people do mm. And what people do is it seems to me a far greater indicator mm. of what their political views are, social political views, not party political, yeah. than, than anything they might ever say when asked a question. Do you prefer socialism or capitalism? Yeah. Idiotic question. I mean, like a million times too simple. What is not so simple is looking at the record of everything they do yeah. and see what their social, political... So, because yeah. that's what tells you. Yeah. Now, trawling that massive amount of of electronic data that we leave behind us in life will tell us what people want and that is the same thing as direct democracy
1: but that so and then companies like Google and Facebook have those kind of avatar versions of ourselves or at least an approximation to it based uh, on our search histories and and and, and that's held by uh, you know a a very small number of private companies sure so uh, well so what do we do about that is that what are your thoughts about what is that not dangerous? You know that well, it's so tier, much power it's a, is held by it. It's a,
0: a temporary situation. A temporary Look book. at the power the printers had in the seventeenth yeah. century. Look okay. at the power the radio people had. It's a temporary situation, and these guys are going to make lots of money and then go out of business and be replaced because. By with what what they do now, yeah. will be done by every computer in the world. Okay. And I don't mean physical thing like it's on this table here, but whatever a computer turns out to be. It may be yeah. in, your, in your clothes. Who yeah. knows? So, and it is not beyond the wit of man to create encrypted enough. I mean, I'm still talking 19th century crap. But, I mean, you can encrypt stuff enough for it not to be seriously hacked. Or if it is hacked, trace it and stop it. Yeah. Uh, with big data and predictive algorithms. So I don't think it's too, too mad to think that there will be some kind of Supra personal, supranational, supra social hmm. entity, which is there. It may be these moats. It may be the network of moats all over the planet that hold the data that tells them what it is we want, and then they say it looks like what everybody wants is this, yep. and then you tell the civil servants or their computer equivalents do that. It's okay. not all the, all that Parliament does now. What do you want? We'll do it. Um, Have you heard of a concept called liquid democracy?
1: Mm. So it's somewhere in between representative democracy and uh, direct democracy. Liquid democracy might be a sort of a stepping stone from the the world you're describing
0: uh, to to where we are now. So it might be something that you'd be interested in. Let's not get mired down in Mm. 19th century solutions. Let's not get mired down, because in 40 or 50 years' time, the nanofabricator will make all these problems irrelevant. We have to start thinking now about how to live with abundance. I mean, we're coming to the end of a period that began when we left the caves. And we must recognise that and start thinking about what it is we want to be after that period finishes. And, And all the rest is hot air.
1: So so this is sort of ethical philosophical
0: considerations about who we want to
1: be as, as people and as a society and, and a rethinking of those. Well those as, things. as is everything. I mean yeah.
0: you know, why did we start to represent democracy in the first place? Yeah.
1: So I, even though I, I, I absolutely want to kind of believe in that, do you not think it could be sort of dismissed as sort of techno utopianism that somehow, you know, technology will kind of save us and create this era of abundance that anybody who thinks technology hasn't shaped the world we live in is blind. I'm not well, I don't think anyone would deny that it has but just um I think that that you, that that optimism certainly that came with the first couple of decades of the internet and the web uh, there, there seems to be a backlash towards that at the moment I, I also both politically and uh, in other fields I I also think that feels like a, a temporary phase as a father of three young kids I'm, I'm also trying to figure out what I can do about that and to sort of build on I think the tremendous kind of legacy and work that you've Mm -hmm, done mm -hmm. how can I help how can the people that I'm connected to help sort of realize the vision that you've sort of portrayed in this
0: conversation that we've had well I mean I'm not not sure that my vision's all that important but I mean I Mm -hmm. I think as I say in connections Mm. the best thing everybody can do is think about Mm. their relationship with the rest of society and how it works and how they can improve it I mean that I think above all people should just try to stand back and not get dragged into this argument which is a very temporary argument Mm. about whether or not technology is going to do us good or ill we do Uh, good or ill ill. and we use the technology that's why I said about technological determinism before it doesn't rule us we rule it so we decide I mean the best thing you can do to shut a computer up is unplug it or any other aspect of technology, if you choose to do so. And that's a human decision made by human beings, deciding what it is they want in life. Mm. And you don't have to be Einstein or have a degree to know what you want in life, even if all you want is a warm bed and some ice cream. So we have to think about what it is we want, and whether or not what we want conflicts with what other people want and how to resolve that conflict if there is one. But uh, Sorry, this is
1: opening up another dialogue, which we may not have time to go into, but I think we've got a generation of people growing up, and I would include myself in that, who've been bombarded with advertising uh, for their entire lives and don't really know what they want because they've been so distracted and um, maybe manipulated to, to a degree that possibly you and your generation uh, didn't have quite, quite to the same extent when you were being educated and growing up that, that's something that concerns me and I don't know, it's something I'm conscious of in myself uh, and, you know, turning the phone off or turning the computer
0: off when I want to have, you know, a meaningful conversation. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I would say, yeah. I'm going to say in this it? next book I'm writing, the, ad, the, you know, the beginnings of the advertising back in the 19th century were required by people who thought they saw their market ending when everybody got a fridge or everybody got a car. Yeah. And they decided to create perceived scarcity. Yes. So when you do is you teach people that they don't have something and mm. that they better get it or other people will get it before it runs out. Yes. That's advertising. However, yeah. mm. I suppose the key thing to that is goes back to Descartes, who said, mm. "Doubt everything," and I think that's probably the safest, the safest, most produc- most protective thing you can do to yourself. Doubt everything. Look at it twice. Ask, "What's the motivation behind the person who tells me this?" Mm. That's all. That's a very simple rule to follow, and it works in every, ab- absolutely every aspect of life. Okay. What's the motivation behind this message I'm getting, and do I trust it or not? Yeah. And do I need to know more in order to make a decision about that? But a decision has to be made by everybody. And that's the end of my preaching.
1: So there we go. James really does present an incredible vision of the future. And listening back again, there are so many more questions I wish I had asked him not least his idea that when technology creates severe turbulence that we just need to unplug it. But nevertheless, it's incredibly refreshing to hear such insightful and optimistic visions for what lies ahead. And even more remarkable, given the predominant narrative that most of us seem to have about the future, which I think is profoundly pessimistic. So perhaps it is time to reflect and rebalance. Whether you agree or disagree with what he has to say, in a way I don't think really matters. What does matter is that it's up to us to start having these kinds of conversations about the world that we want to live in and begin to take more responsibility for creating it, whilst at the same time, as James says, to doubt everything. By the way, James covers similar ground to what we discussed in this episode in a recent BBC programme called The End of Scarcity. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this fifth episode of On The Edge, and if so, please can I ask you to rate, comment and subscribe to the podcast and share it with others who you think might like it as well. And use the hashtag OnTheEdge. This will encourage us to keep on making new connections and to find more interesting people to talk to and to share those conversations with you. This podcast was brought to you by Liminal, a collective intelligence community to address the complex challenges of our connected world. Thanks for listening. Until next time, please keep on connecting people and ideas. If you do, you never know what might happen. Thanks and goodbye.